0: your host paul wicker and this is the ppc show brought to you by AdStage. this week we met the godfather of ppc chat himself the one and only matt umbro if you don't know what ppc chat is it's the live chat on twitter tuesdays at 9 a.m pacific where all the marketers hang out if you're not already on there make sure you hop on twitter and look for the hashtag ppc chat a lot of the folks that are on that chat listen to this very podcast so the conversation with Matt was awesome because you could talk about anything, paid search or social, and he knows about it and he's got an opinion on it. And that's basically what we did. Plus, we went a little deeper on some AdWords topics as well. If you like this episode and you want to find more of them, head over to SoundCloud and there are a ton because we record the PPC show every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. All right. Enjoy the episode. But anyway... Um, so you've been doing PPC chat for a while now, right?
1: Uh, yeah, this will be, um, I believe it's been, it was six years in April.
0: And do you still like doing it or are you, are you over it?
1: No, I still like doing it. Um, it's definitely evolved, um, from when, when I first began it to now, both in terms of and you know, how the, how the industry perceives it. And also, um. You know my reasons for doing it, but you know I still enjoy it. I still enjoy the uh, the knowledge share and information share. I you know I always get at least one or two good tips every every session. So um, I you know I still definitely do enjoy it.
0: And how how has it evolved over
1: the years? Well, you know it, it's been something that was kind of at the beginning. It was kind of this. Um, you know, small thing that a few people knew about that, and they participated in it. Whereas, it evolved in you know, really to the to the um, you know industry's credit and for the people who participated in it, it became something that more people knew about. So, uh, it was you know, people started to blog about it, um, people started to reference it within um, you know at their con- at conferences and speaking gigs, and it just became something kind of similar to. Um, You know, I guess I guess a good example would be, you know, you you have um, uh, Major League Baseball, for example, and you have the baseball tonight. Uh, that, that's something that probably early on not many people knew about it. But now, you know, Baseball Tonight is synonymous with Major League Baseball. Uh, because in large part, you know, a lot of it, it grew over the years. People started following it. People shared it with their friends. And I think, you know, that, that's similar to what's happened with PPC Chat.
0: And how much how much was kind of the Twitter live chat experience, like was that blowing up at the time and you were like, oh, let's try this out or did it just kind of happen organically? So
1: it was more at the time, well at the time I, I was working for a company and I was the only PPC specialist and I really didn't have anyone to bounce ideas off of and I was at the point where you know I was using Twitter to bounce ideas off people and sharing blogs and so I saw that some of these Twitter chouts Twitter chats were out there, Um, so I'm like, you know, why don't we try doing something with PPC? And it it really took off from there.
0: Nice. And then, do you? Are there other folks that help? I know you have like obviously guest PPC chat uh, moderators, uh, but or is it a one-man show?
1: So in the past, um, I've had um, James Sabota and uh, Paul Kratthorp of uh, Web Ranking out of Minnesota help out Paul actually did a lot of the or did the stream caps for a while so um, you know at this point it, it, it's it's still run by me I certainly have guest hosts every so often um, but in terms of the day-to-day uh, you know still so
0: myself running it so uh, JD Prater who I'm sure you know from PPC chat as well and from Hennepin, uh who mm-hmm. <laughs> he came over here to stage not too long ago and he um, you know I was just talking to him about like Twitter and it seems like every time I post anything within 10 seconds, he, you know, either replies or retweets it or likes it uh, if he likes it. But it's like amazing how fast he is. And he he makes the argument that really if you know, you're trying to keep on top of the trends in PPC and just keep up to date with all the stuff that AdWords is doing, uh, you need to be like that kind of up to date on the news. Do you feel like even if you didn't do PPC chat every Tuesday, you would still – kind of be just as informed, or you would spend just as much time kind of in Twitter looking for marketing tips?
1: I think so, and the reason being is, is, um, you know, bringing it back to what's going on in the world today. I mean, Twitter is my number one news source. I'm constantly checking Twitter to see what's trending. I have a bunch of people, um, not only in in the marketing realm, but the political realm. Uh, the sports realm, all that that I follow. And to me, um, Twitter is really the most up-to-date source of news. So, um, you know, whether it's PPC, politics or whatever, I always go to Twitter and make sure I'm following the right people and topics to to see the latest news.
0: And have you tried any other mediums or like medium or any of the other places to try to uh, get news or you're a pretty happy Twitter guy?
1: You know, I'll check Facebook, but, I mean, nothing can beat the, the real-time delivery of Twitter. I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I guess there are pros and cons to that, because you get news that might not always be true, um, because people are trying to get it up as soon as they can. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when I look for Twitter, or I mean, when I look for news, really, Twitter is the place to, that I go to.
0: Uh, and I know, so you're at Hannapin now, right? Correct. Um, and can you give us like a little bit of the, how did, cause I know you have been paid search for a while. How did you originally get into paid search back in the day?
1: Yeah. So I, um, you know, I graduated from college, uh, 10 years ago now, um, feels like yesterday, but, uh, Congrats. I, yeah, I majored in, uh, majored in communication and I had a minor in business. So really, you know, I pretty much had a liberal arts degree and kind of, could, could set my own path um, in terms of where I wanted to go. So I didn't even know online marketing existed before I got out of college. So once once I got out of college, I just started applying at a bunch of jobs around the area, whether, you know, whether it be at web design companies, PR companies, whatever, I mean, I was, at that point, I was just really looking for a job. So I applied to a web design company, Uh, and web design web dev company uh, they were hiring an SEO specialist or an SEO associate to help the team and of course I was just coming in entry-level so I really didn't know anything about it Um, so I ended up getting the job and I was helping out with SEO and then uh, PPC and really over my time there I gravitated toward PPC to the point where it was Solely what I wanted to do. So the next job I took was um, I was only doing PPC and just continuing to learn more about that. And then um, three years ago now I joined Hannapin, uh to you know con- continue working on PPC accounts. But you know I also do a lot more blogging, um, you know speaking engagements, webinars, stuff like that. So I think in terms of, uh, of my personal career growth, it's gone from the day to day account management. Um, which I still do, but it's more um, also about sharing the PPC knowledge and uh, continuing to hopefully get back to the industry.
0: So it's good to hear you're still managing some accounts, still pulling the levers. Um, how much of your time is managing accounts versus some of these other things you mentioned, like speaking engagements and uh, writing posts?
1: Yeah, you know, I'd say um, probably probably good still 60 to 70% of my time is spent managing accounts. Um, at this point, too, I'm also overseeing some accounts, uh, just kind of being another set of eyes on these accounts for, for various account managers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I still think most of the day-to-day is still running accounts, but there's also a lot I do with PPC Hero in terms of uh, reviewing blogs and um, helping authors with ideas. So, again, you know, it, it's nice, if they get I get to have my hands in a a lot of different things where still account management is still the primary focus, but I'm doing a lot of other stuff as well.
0: Well, so the last question you asked in uh, PPC chat today was actually around hiring and like interview questions and how you, uh, well, let me see if I can get the exact question. You asked something like how do you interview for data roles? What types of interview questions would you ask potential candidates about data analysis and subsequent action items? Uh, so as part of overseeing some accounts, are you, are you hiring folks to work on a team to manage these accounts? And do you see this whole trend towards needing to be more technical or needing more kind of data, knowledge, uh, are, you, are you seeing that come across in the people you hire?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I do help out with, um, with, with interviewing. Uh, I, don't do, I don't do a ton of it, but I do help out in, in various capacities. You know, I, I think overall when it comes to hiring someone, you know, I've worked with some people in the past who, um, on paper, you would you would think would be great at PPC. You know, they have analytics backgrounds. They got a business degree. They went to some top prestigious universities. But I found that, you know, they, they, they didn't cut it in the PPC world. And over time, I've really found that the best people in PPC are ones that really kind of fell into it. Either they were doing something else first or you know they've come in entry level. And me me personally, I know, I know this isn't the case for everyone, um, and, and might even be a bit of a contrarian view, but I'm not super um, in the weeds with the data on a day-to-day basis. Obviously I look at it, obviously I review it, I, I review my search for reports, I see which keywords are converting, I see which ad copy's working, all that. Um, But I've never been at the point where I get overwhelmed with the data. I take it for what it is, you know. It's certainly the the most important reference point we have because it shows us all the metrics. But, um, you know, I I, I don't tend to create, you know, really extensive macros that review the data, um, look at items on, on such a segmented basis. And and, you know, to be honest, I'm not I'm not smart enough to do that. I I leave it to other people. Uh, We have production specialists and uh, account analysts at Hannapin who are are so skilled in Excel and some of these other um, programs. One of them I mentioned was Supermetrics. That I, I leave that you know really that heavy data crunching to them and kind of creating the templates for me to use. So I would say that I. I, of course, review the data, but I, I always, uh, ultimately what I'm trying to do is determine how this data can best help account performance get better, and I don't try to get bogged down in the weeds.
0: And how often does that actually, like, how often when someone brings you, I don't know, a finding from uh, some research they were doing, does it actually then, you know, influence you in changing some you know, behavior. Because I, I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, we talk a lot, like you're saying, we talk a lot about data and analytics and all this, you know, machine learning stuff that's supposed to tell us how to uh, manage campaigns. But at the end of the day, when I talk to most account managers, they're still doing a lot of the things they've always done, or there's still some kind of, um, the things that move the needle aren't necessarily the super nuanced, oh, I found that this keyword has a lot of available impression share at this time of day. Like, that stuff is important. Interesting, but rarely does it feel like it, it moves the needle on account performance. And you also have this issue of AdWords or Facebook or LinkedIn are you know, constantly changing their algos and, and you don't really know the signals. So you're always kind of playing this guessing game. So kind of a long winded question, but uh, do you feel like you often get these data insights that are really actionable and make a difference? Or is a lot of it like better for the report you send to the client, but not really changing that much?
1: So, you know, someone mentioned in, in today's PPC chat that they use the interface a lot. And I think that's a good point. And when I, um, what I what I mean by that is, you know, I, I go into the account and I'll review a search for a report and add a negative keyword there, or I'll review ad copy, and I'll uh, pause an ad and make, make an, uh, create a new ad there. So in that sense, it's more about going in the interface and using the, and just kind of almost on a whim looking at the data. And of course, looking at it from uh, a time period that that has a significant enough information. But I guess, to your point, you know, looking at a spreadsheet that has all of this data, I'm not as inclined to, um, probably find as much actionable information there just because I'm going into, into the accounts on a daily basis looking at this data and kind of looking at it in real time um, to see what's happening. So there, there's definitely the value in these Excel templates and I'm sure others um, probably use them more than I do. But again, to me it's more about going into the actual interface and, and making the changes
0: there as they appear. And you talked about uh, you know using a search query report to create negatives, which is you know a, a standard tactic that we all pretty much should use. Um, and then you know maybe changing match types on keywords and whatnot. But what about so there's this other argument that like keyword targeting is less and less important, and it's all about audiences, and you should kind of spend more time there. Uh, do you feel like that's true? Are we moving to a keywordless future?
1: Short answer: No. Um, I, I definitely feel that uh, audiences are becoming more important. I mean, you know, we see what's happening with Facebook and, and Pinterest and, and LinkedIn, for that matter, with all this audience targeting and how it's getting better, um, how it's gotten better over time. And, you know, whereas some of these uh, platforms like a Facebook and LinkedIn, it was more so about brand awareness. You know, now people are actually seeing good results come from these Platforms, so I think Google and Bing have definitely taken notice and tried to get audiences to be more prevalent within their platforms. That being said, I mean you can't beat the the targeting that that search-based keywords provide. I mean it's someone essentially typing in a query, and you're going to show. So that will always be there, even as Google makes um, you know the. Even, even how exact match isn't truly exact match anymore and we have, um, you know, how broad match has always been, been very broad, um, even with even with keywords not becoming a little less specific like that, uh, I still think they're, you know, they, they generally try to go after the theme, the user is searching. So to that end. There will always be keywords, but again, Google and Bing are both trying to capture those users who may not necessarily know what they're searching for, and they want and they want advertisers to to place ads uh, so people can see them. So, in that sense, yes, audience targeting is continue is going to continue to get more prevalent um, as Google tr- tries to capture those advertisers who are uh, who are selling products that or services that people don't know about.
0: And someone – so on, on Twitter, someone wanted us to ask you about the Edwards UI since we're on the Edwards topic. So I'm going to ask you a question about LinkedIn, but I'll save that. So okay. uh, do you have any early thoughts on the Edwards UI changes? Do you like them? Do you not like them?
1: You know, to be honest, I haven't used it a ton. I, I dabbled in it a little bit, but I, I don't have enough of uh, – I don't have enough experience in it to provide good feedback. Um, I will say, though, that one of our PPC hero – uh, authors recently wrote a blog post about the, the new UI and, and her thoughts on it. So um, I can send that to you after, but I'd encourage, uh, you know, uh, yourself and, and your readers to check that out. Uh,
0: definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll post a link in the show notes. And then I always think it's funny that Edwards makes such a big deal over UI changes. Like analytics is doing it too. I, I've been getting the like, Hey, there's a new UI coming for like six months in Google Analytics and now it is slowly changing. But um, it's just funny how they make such a big deal over the UI changes and do it like so gradually when most other companies just like, you log in one day and the UI is different.
1: Yeah, you know, to a certain extent, I uh, I think I, I wouldn't necessarily always believe this but I think AdWords might have a little sympathy for its users and they don't want to rush them right away. I think AdWords in particular, is is pretty good about at least taking feedback from the community. Now, implementing it is one thing, but at least on Twitter, I know they they take a lot of the feedback and are very responsive there. So, I think it's I think they're trying to throw that bone to advertisers that they're rolling it out gradually
0: so they have a chance to learn it. Uh, and apologies for the dog bark in the background. The office dog uh, goes crazy every time someone comes up the elevator.
1: <laughs> oh, no worries. It's uh, I, I bring my dog to the office sometimes, too, so I know I
0: know what you mean. Well, he's a tiny – I don't know what he is. Uh, there's You know, there's a few office dogs, but, you know, the smaller the dog, the more they bark, but the less, like, frightening they are. And then we have, like, a big dog that never moves, but just there's just one mailman he just does not like. And, like, if that mailman comes in the door, he just, like, wants to run at the door. And, you know, he probably mm-hmm. won't do anything, but it's uh, – it's funny. We have like dog drama in the office every time there's a different (laughs) dog. Yeah. Well, it makes it fun. There you go. Um, all right. So then AdWords UI will read the post. And then in terms of, you know, Google marketing next was not too long ago. I don't know, about a month ago, they dropped a bunch of kind of new features, attribution, um, and affinity. I think if, did they talk about affinity? It's been so long that I don't remember anymore. Um, uh,
1: yeah, I believe, um, Uh, Basically, a lot of audience
0: targeting was discussed. Yeah, there you go. Audience stuff. Um, Anything new in AdWords in the last kind of few weeks or months that you've been using that you feel like people should spend more time uh, playing around with?
1: Yeah, so it's not necessarily new, um, but I've I've been using the if functions a lot, and that's where you can create ads that – you know, for example, if someone's on a desktop, they'll see one ad. And if they're on a mobile device, they'll see another. And also you can do it with remarketing audiences as well. So, you know, one audience will see a certain ad and another will see another one. Um, you know, I, I you've, granted it's been around now for about a year, but we've, we now have the ability to create mobile-only campaigns. Um, but when that uh, when that ability to create mobile-only campaigns rolled out, Google took away the option for mobile-preferred ads. So instead, they created this um, these if function ads that allow you to uh, create mobile ads and basically can use in a desktop or, or mobile campaign. So, um, you know, basically, I guess the, the takeaway is if you're not creating mobile-specific campaigns, I found if function ads to, to work really well in terms of, Higher click-through rates and, um, in some cases, better conversion rates. So that's something that I've, you know, I've been playing around with and, and you know, been happy with that. In terms of uh, some of the, in terms of some of the items that were mentioned during the, uh, during the Google marketing event, the similar audiences for search. That, that's been an interesting one. I'm starting to test that in a few of my accounts. I don't have enough data yet, but, but again, it goes back to what we were discussing earlier where Google's trying to get more users who aren't necessarily searching for um, products or services that advertisers are offering. Um, Google's using their, their algorithm to find uh, people who might be interested as well. So I've been testing that out and then, you know, the in-market audiences available on display and and shortly coming to search. That's something I'm I'm interested in testing. So overall, uh, these, again, it comes back to more heavily doing audience targeting and it's something that I've been starting to experiment with and, and try out more for my clients and Early on, um, at this point, I'm really just gathering data and seeing what's happening, but I think as it progresses, um, and and again, going back to the keywords versus audience debate, I think audiences will start to play more of a crucial role, more so than they do now within Google.
0: And just to hop back onto the if functions for a second, so for folks who used to do DKI, Dynamic Keyword Insertion, back in the day. Uh, Well, you could still do it now. I don't think people call it DKI anymore. It's now Ad Customizers. Um, Nope, so so
1: DKI is still around. Um, Ad Customizers are kind of a, um, I guess an enhanced version of DKI to a certain extent. It's not so much, um, or a different version, I should say. It's not inserting the keyword, but it's inserting specific business data um, you know, such as prices or location into the ad copy.
0: So you use um, a feed and you can specify things like, yeah, product names or uh, items in stock or prices or whatnot. And then the if functions are basically the same, but you don't need a feed, right? Because you have you can just reference either the placement as mobile or uh, is it the, the um, tar- like, geotargeting is the other one that you could automatically insert?
1: Yeah, So um, so... With the if functions, you're correct about mobile. So basically, you just, within the ad, you say if it's a mobile, if someone's coming from a mobile device, they're gonna see this message. With, with ad customizers, and why I like them so much is that they really allow your your ad to, to stand out from the competition, um, especially, and also if you're an e-commerce account, uh, PLAs or, or the shopping ads tend to always do really well. They tend to see better click-through rates and, and conversion rates, because, Users can see the product right away. Well, with with ad customizers, um, you're able to make your ad that much, your text ad that much more dynamic. And though you're not showing an image, you're including more business information that the user can see pre-click. So the idea is that once they come to the site, they're more qualified. Um, so with with ad customizers, they the I, I think they're fun to use. I mean. It, you know, we talked about the example of including price, inventory. Um, I do. A, I like to use a customizer where you can put the user's location in the ad. So one thing I've done is, um, you know, we work with we work with a client who ships uh, a product to someone, um, or depending on depending on where the user is in the country, um, it gets shipped at a different date. So we use ad customizers to find that user's location and then show them a specific ad. So, for example, um, you know, you're in zone four, your your product will ship on um, July 1st, or you're in zone five, your product will ship July 8th. So it, it's cool to use it like that. And even, you know, I've just used it where we tell the user uh, where their location is. Something like, you know, we ship to Bloomington, Indiana. It's not anything that's really differentiating them from others, but it has a, it's a more personalized ad that hopefully inc- increases the click-through rate.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty standard. If you personalize ads, even if they're irrelevant, but they uh, are personal to that person, people at least take a second look at it, and usually you drive your engagement up. Uh, it's kind of like the email, same as like if you do email marketing um, if someone goes to, like, some school and you're just like, oh, I've always wanted to meet a Hoosier, like, just the fact that you mentioned something about them always helps you uh, boost your, your CTRs or open rates.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, when, when we talk about differentiating yourself from the competition, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, – You know something specific that you offer that a competitor doesn't it can be just language that at the end of the day isn't necessarily different from what your competitor is doing but you're just making your ad more personalized
0: and i wanted to ask you some questions about linkedin because i saw on your linkedin profile you mentioned linkedin advertising but um are you do you want to go there or would you rather not talk about linkedin
1: You know, I've, I've done a little bit of LinkedIn advertising in the past. It, it's definitely not my forte, um, but, you know, I can definitely speak to it if we want to go there.
0: Well, um, well, you know how LinkedIn is too. Like on your profile, it just, any time people put stuff, it just turns into an expertise. So I don't uh, I don't <laughs> blame you for not being an expert. Um, well, we, you know, we do, we have a lot of LinkedIn advertisers because we're a B2B platform and we have LinkedIn. Um, so I'm always curious to talk to kind of non-LinkedIn folks or people who didn't, you know, there's a few folks that like really do LinkedIn. So like AdWords folks and paid folks, I don't know, what are their thoughts on LinkedIn? Uh, have you kind of seen any changes uh, post Microsoft acquisition and um, I don't know, where does it kind of rank in the networks that you consider adding into the marketing mix?
1: For me, and, and I know the answer is going to differ for uh People and, and specifically who their clients are. But me working with a lot of e-commerce clients, um, I don't use it a ton. And it, it's really below the Facebook and Pinterest of the world. And that makes sense. I mean, the, those ones are more visual and you know, users are um, in more of a mindset to buy on those sites than they are on LinkedIn. Um, however, one of the, one of the items I, I am excited about with LinkedIn, um, and I forget the name of it, but basically the, uh, the, the, customer match feature that, you know, they've brought to LinkedIn where you can upload email addresses to target. Um, that's something I haven't tried yet, but I could see how that could be extremely valuable, um, for advertisers. So, uh, that, that's something that I'm hoping to try very shortly
0: yeah on LinkedIn they call it matched audiences because no, no network can agree on what to call these things so
1: right I always have to have something
0: right um, Well it's like ad sets in Facebook um, you know you couldn't just call it ad group and make it like our lives easier every time we write a blog post about cross network or any time I got to write release notes on a feature that's like you know for all the five networks we support, I have to write ad group/ slash set it's the worst.
1: Yeah, I know. You'd wish they'd at least be universal across.
0: Yeah, I think I I just call them ad groups on Facebook, even though that's wrong. But if people are uh, like cross network folks, they get it. But the Facebook only people like love to correct me. I'm like, I know it's an ad set on Facebook, but
1: (laughs) yeah, just I hear you trying to kind of make it uniform throughout.
0: Right. And that's LinkedIn doesn't have that level yet. And so, you know, when I talk to their product team, I'm like, please, for the love of God, just call it an ad group. Don't come up with some stupid name for it that no one's going to know what it is. Just do what Facebook and Google do, like from a feature standpoint, and call it an ad group.
1: Yeah. But you know, they just want to stand out and be different.
0: I know, which is funny because like Bing tried that for years, right? Like when Bing used to always kind of be like, Hey, we have this new feature that AdWords doesn't have. And then like, no one would use it and just be like, yeah, but you're missing this thing that AdWords has. Can you just get that into, you know, Bing, uh, Bing ads. And then at one point they just showed up and they're like, all right, we're going to copy the Google roadmap. So that's, that's our roadmap from now on. Right. Exactly. Which is a really smart uh, roadmap to have when you have, you know, 20% market share or whatever they have these days.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, excuse me, some of these other platforms, especially Bing, are bringing a lot of, you know, the AdWords features to their platforms. I just wish there were, would be some um, kind of uh, ingenuity as well and some new ideas.
0: Yeah, it's um, ideally they could do both, but, I mean, I can't imagine how you try to keep up with AdWords and then also find time to, to innovate when most people are going to do a copy-paste over to, to Bing and, that's about it. But, but then again, Microsoft does have a fleet of engineers as well. So that's true. Yeah. It's more for the new network. So when we talk to the Pinterest or Snapchat product teams, uh, I always say, just make sure you're using Facebook, you know, cause they're more in the social world as like the template for how things work. And then if you want to innovate, like be very specific about what you're innovating for, but you know, there's precedence for most of the problems you're trying to solve and it can make your life way easier. And if marketers can just copy paste from Facebook to Pinterest, you'll get a lot more campaign setup than if you come up with some new way of doing things that no one understands. Yeah.
1: And that's a good point. You know, kind of using the tried and true is definitely beneficial. Um, you know, hopefully you're right though. There there can also be some of that, um, you know, if there is time to to create some new features as well.
0: Yeah, I think if, you know, it's the same as in probably any software business. If there's a paradigm that exists that's that's working, you don't want to spend your time coming up with something new because it already works. And people very rarely stop using something that works to use something else. Uh, So it's more about finding the things that don't work in Facebook advertising and trying to fix those. But very often when we meet with it, ads API teams, it's like they're spending way too much time on the things that already work really well or already work. If you ask a marketer, like, oh, is it really hard to set up X, Y, Z? Most of them say, no, you know, it's, I'm used to it by now. So it's real hard to motivate someone to change if they're happy with the current solution.
1: Yeah, and as yeah, that's true, and as PPC marketers, I know we're, we're definitely hesitant to change.
0: You guys never change anything. The, the marketing crowd, I just read some study about like selling to marketers is one of the like hardest segments to sell to. And obviously we're selling uh, like a reporting and automation tool to marketers. So we spend quite a bit of time doing it. Um, but it's funny how like consumer, like consumer software, for some reason, as a consumer, a marketer will change their kind of tool set more frequently than the quote unquote business tools they use even though in this day and age there's almost no difference between uh b2b and b2c tools they're like all migrating to pretty much look and feel the same but it's very hard to unhook somebody from a b2b tool
1: yeah yeah i can see that and i've definitely seen examples of that
0: um cool well so for linkedin uh We'll leave it at kind of the, for the lead gen folks, I think they spent a lot of time there, but it's totally fair to say that if you're doing e-commerce, it's kind of down on that list. It's interesting you mentioned Pinterest too. That's one where um, I feel like I've been hearing more and more, especially from the e-commerce crowd is Pinterest ads. Like they added, uh, I think, buyable pins or something like that, uh, maybe about six months ago. And really those have started to, to build some momentum. So have have you found yourself managing more Pinterest campaigns?
1: You know, I I, I have started to manage more. um, And really what I've been finding with Pinterest is I've been doing it. uh, I haven't necessarily been doing it for the the sale per se, but more um, interest related and I've been using it more as a compliment with um, some clients who are, you know, heavily into Google, Bing and Facebook and really want to start to at least test the waters in Pinterest. So, um, for example, I have one client who uh, they they put out a new catalog each year and they on their Pinterest account, they put all the covers of their old catalog. And, you know, it's really cool to see some of these old catalogs, you know, from like 1900 or 1930 and what they, what they looked like. So we did some ad testing around those ads to kind of get the, you know, get the brand out there and, and really show them um, from a different perspective what they what they offer, and, and this company is more of a traditional advertising company in that they've used the catalog sales, they've used phone sales, and really, um, over the last decade, they've been getting more into digital marketing, uh, but, you know, it's still kind of, they haven't necessarily always seen digital marketing as more of a way to promote their brand rather than just, uh, you know, gain that revenue. So, uh, in that sense, it was, it was interesting to, to have people save these pins and really get them interested in the brand. Then they started to follow on Facebook or Twitter. Um, So in that sense, you know, like probably like what what Facebook used to be in the early days and still is now to a certain extent, but it's about getting people interested in your brand and, you know, getting them in the funnel so you can sell more to them later.
0: Well, we'll keep an eye on Pinterest over time and see if uh, more and more people are having that same kind of Brand building success. It certainly helps when you have a lot of really good visual creative from the early 20th century.
1: Right, right, and you know, just in general too. um, My so paid social is definitely a a fairly new phenomenon within the last few years, and I know there aren't really obviously you guys at that stage are are pretty well versed in paid social, but I know it's still a relatively new field. Um, It's been interesting because you know with with my career mainly focusing on paid search, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been getting into paid social and and delving into a bit more. And uh, you know, it's interesting to see the dynamics of paid social versus paid search and how that works out. And it, it's almost kind of relearning um, a new a new strategy and and you know a new a new tactic to a certain extent. So kind of been fun in that sense with trying paid social, um, you know, knowing what I know about paid search and, and then seeing how they differ and how, how
0: they can be alike. Yeah, I think specifically with Pinterest, it's interesting because they really are selling themselves as, you know, that kind of directional form of advertising where people are searching for keywords and then looking at results based on, you know, home remodeling or wedding photographer. So it it's kind of searchy in that way that there's keywords and search results but then it's obviously very social because of the whole board concept and how you curate a board, you know, the kind of regardless of what people are searching for. Um, and you may create a private board that's like based on hobbies. Uh, but I think Pinterest realizes that if they can get kind of these keyword search like volume high enough and they could, uh, kind of sell themselves as a search network, they'll appeal to folks like yourself from the paid search background as opposed to, you know, you have folks on the brand side that work on Twitter a lot, or just do paid social, and they're basically Facebook mostly, and then do some Twitter or LinkedIn, um, and they're they're coming at it from that angle. So Pinterest is kind of in the middle, where there's sometimes paid search folks doing it, and sometimes paid social. Not not quite sure at the end of the day who's going to keep the uh, the Pinterest budget when they look at you know the team makeup. But. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and. You know, certainly it brings its um, it brings its 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 challenges, and you know, I I I think we're also starting to see that um, you know breakout in the paid search in or in the paid industry of uh, search for social. I remember back when I started in search engine marketing in general, um, people were doing SEO and PPC, and now you know now you you do one or the other, but at this point we're getting to the stage where you're almost doing you know, you're going to almost have to decide if you want to do uh, uh, paid search or paid social.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, especially maybe in the next like five years, the line might start to, to disappear. But for sure today, it's almost like in paid search, you can come through paid search kind of from the SEO side, like yourself, like a lot of people were doing SEO and then moved into paid versus the people who started in paid or maybe moved from like, kind of other traditional advertising, like they were doing media buys for display it moved into paid. That used to be kind of the line SEO versus you know, SEM or PPC. And now the paid search and social line. But I assume that I wonder if like the data side is going to be the next, like, are you a data uh, analyst type versus kind of the PPC type? And it won't really be paid search or social, but we will see.
1: Yeah, there's uh, you know, it, it the industry is really evolving, and you know, looking at it, where where it was when I first started versus now, I mean, I, you know, I I, I I'm almost um, I'm a little envious of the people starting in this industry now because they're exposed to so much now and so many new ideas than than you know when I started back in the day, and it's uh, you know it's good that they're getting. Um, involved with all this information now and hopefully it creates that solid base where as the industry continues to evolve, you know, they, they really know uh, the core of the industry and all these new features, you know, are able to learn easily.
0: Yeah. It's uh, kids these days, you know,
1: <laughs> kids these days, darn kids,
0: they have it easy. So if, if people want to see more of you, they could tune in to PPC chat Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, or 9 a.m. Pacific, sorry, um, ends at 10 a.m. Pacific. I'm so used to doing the the promo for the PPC show, 10 a.m. Pacific. Yeah. So PPC chats at 9 a.m. I almost always join it before uh, we do the show just to see what's going on, and especially paid search, um, reporting, agency, kind of agency life, agency stuff. So I highly recommend folks join it, and then can follow you on Twitter. I think based on your uh, raving review of Twitter, that's the best best place to follow you. And what's what's your handle on Twitter?
1: So my handle is at matt underscore umbro.
0: Nice. Oh, I should ask. In the eighties, I wore Umbro shorts. Are you related to them? And do you make? Do you have a giant fortune from the short business?
1: You know, sometimes I tell people I do, um, but no, unfortunately, no no relation. It's uh, um, I I I. I've gotten that question a lot throughout the course of my life, but uh, no relation.
0: Probably not in the last ten years because I don't know if people wear Umbro's anymore. But uh, you know, go Google it if you're like under thirty and you're like, what the heck are Umbro's? <laughs> you know, I used to I used to wear the Umbro
1: shirt, so I don't know if that was you know self promotion for myself or not. But uh, I mean, I will no Might as well. I mean, it's like a easy you know that, that way you don't have to go create customized shirts for yourself you're right. they're already there being sold family, everywhere.
0: family reunions are very easy everyone just buy an umbro shirt
1: <laughs> exactly that's true
0: i tried to find more t-shirts that said wicker but it's just not as uh, exciting like wicker baskets or wicker furniture or something but it's, uh, i'll have to start the clothing brand
1: hey it could be a multi-million dollar business
0: well, I, I I'll call you up to run the the paid search campaign, do some shopping ads. Uh, we'll we'll be good. Uh, well, I
1: was going to say maybe I can uh, you know I'll be more ingrained with uh, Facebook and Pinterest at that time, so maybe I can help you out there as well.
0: I actually we should do a whole Pinterest board on things made of wicker. It'll be very exciting. We could. Uh, my Twitter handle is Wickerpedia, uh, and I it was like a joke from I don't know a billion years ago when I, I got my Twitter handle. And I tried to buy the domain, and someone actually has a Wikipedia for things made of wicker. I'm convinced it was a... I mean, it looked like a joke because it had the same layout as Wikipedia, like that same kind of weird kind of globe circle-y thing with different, like, languages or whatever. But it was all about, like, things made of wicker. I got to go check that domain.
1: Hey, you know, maybe it's, uh, it's Last by now, and you can go buy
0: it. Yeah, that was like 10 years ago. I'm literally doing it right now, and I... I hope that I can buy it. Up um, oh, survey says it's still waiting. Hmm. It, mm. uh, yep. Go, Daddy. I'm gonna go buy it. I have to do it before this podcast airs, so no nobody parks my domain.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know, I back in the day, I um, tried to buy ppcchat.com, but it was taken, and um, I don't know. Uh, I haven't checked it in, in a while, <clears throat> but. I, I ended up buying um, uh, PPCChat.co, so I was hoping to start the trend with the .cos. Um, I don't know if it's uh,
0: caught on. I think so. I think uh, you must be responsible for the .co catching on. I like. it. We're turning this into a uh, find a domain uh, <laughs> show. Let's see what domains are available. Um, well, I hope you can find uh, PPCChat. Uh, sadly, Wikipedia is still taken and I cannot buy it darn it ah. I will not pay more than you know eleven dollars to pay some idiot for a park domain so right right That that's the thing right uh, great well it was nice meeting you Matt I feel like uh, I know you because I'm always you know listening to you on Twitter so I will continue and you know good luck with many PPC chats to come
1: thanks Paul and I, I appreciate you having me yep take care man Bye.